standing um, for our Old Testament reading from Genesis 18 verses 1 through 8. Genesis 18, uh, here we find that uh, foot washing, that hospitality, being a servant uh, to the stranger in this case, is nothing new. That Jesus is not only going to imitate the patriarch Abraham, in fact he goes beyond that, because we're going to see that Jesus actually washes the feet of the disciples, whereas Abraham uh, merely has water brought to wash feet. But let us read this account of Abraham, who is a, a type of Christ, to come from Genesis 18, verses 1 through 8. This is the word of the Lord. Please give it your full attention. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. So the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So we welcome... Reverend Trecarico, Jesus to Christ, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much for the privilege you have given to me, and it is a privilege to proclaim the gospel in his church, in Christ's church. And as I speak of Christ to you, I preach the gospel to me, and um, that is a delight indeed. So uh, I'm grateful. The word of God comes to us tonight from John chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. Now before the feast of Passover, the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came 
to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your teacher, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Let's pray for understanding. Lord, we pray that you would be near us now. Help us to understand what you have said, to believe it all, and to happily live under the word that is before us. Increase our faith, enlighten our minds, enlarge our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you amazed by the humility and generous love of the Lord Jesus? What do you make of Jesus, loving and serving sinners who would soon abandon him? People he knew would soon abandon him. One would deny him three times. Jesus knew it. One would hand him over to the hands of wicked men. Jesus knew that too. Now think about that for a moment. Jesus washed the feet of Judas Iscariot. It's amazing. I don't think there is in all of Scripture a more profound picture of the love of God in Christ than what we have in this text. And I don't think there is a more radical call to service than what we have in verse 15. Let me read that again to you. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Consider with me what happened. Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to his Father. Verse 1 says so. He knew that very soon his obedience to the Father's will would take him to a place of unspeakable suffering. It was hours away, and it was on his mind. He knew it. 
What would you do if you knew that tomorrow you would be forsaken by your best friends, accused of a crime you did not commit, whipped, mocked, humiliated in the most severe ways, and put to death? How would your evening go? What would you do? Jesus, knowing his hour had come, loved and served his friends. He knew he would die. He knew that the devil had already entered Judas and that Judas would betray him. He knew his father. He knew his place as the heir of all things. These things he knew. He also knew that he would rise from the dead. But he knew as well that the path to glory was sin-bearing, suffering, and death. Knowing these things and thinking about them, how could he not be thinking about them? Jesus did something positively astonishing. First he rose from supper. What do you think his disciples made of that, him getting up from his place? What were they thinking? Maybe a speech was coming, perhaps a miracle. Some may still have hoped for a call to political action. We don't know. What was Jesus about to do? We don't know what they thought, but surely they were surprised by what they saw. They didn't expect it. Jesus rose from supper. He took off his outer garment. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. He filled a basin with water and washed and dried the feet of his disciples. We all know something about dirty feet, I suppose, but I'm here to tell you that I really didn't know much about it until I moved to Africa. When I came back from Uganda uh, about two years ago, it, it, it took almost a week before my feet looked clean. And I did wash them. I promise you I did, but it takes more than a single scrub to get them to look just right. Israel, during the days of Jesus, was much like where we lived in Karamoja, in Uganda, at the present time. The people walked on dirt paths, and so their feet became very dirty. In Karamoja, people have really dirty feet from from walking around, mostly without shoes, in places where Animals roam freely, and I must confess to you, the thought of stooping and scrubbing the feet of my neighbors with my two hands just doesn't appeal to me. I'm not pleased to say it, but I confess to my shame that it's true. There were 12 disciples. That makes 24 really dirty feet. And uh, Jesus washed them all, one disciple at a time. He used his hands, a basin of water, and a towel. He washed them all. But that is not what Jesus was meant to do, not in that culture. Only servants of the lowest rank would wash the feet of guests. Occasionally, a woman of the house might do it, or maybe one of the children but never a man of position, never a teacher. 
Never anyone called master. And yet, Jesus did it. Do you see the beauty of Christ in this? The world operates right now under the curse of God. And that curse touches us all. The world is broken, miserable, and full of sin and suffering. But Jesus did not turn away from the world. He entered into it. He came to serve in it, even to wash feet. The disciples must have been shocked to see Jesus do this. Now just think about the time it took for him to move from foot to foot, washing, wiping, washing, wiping, washing, and then wiping again. Shocking. He was their teacher. He was their leader. Yet he took the position of a low-ranking servant, and he did what servants would normally do. Most of the disciples were silent. At least scripture doesn't record their words. But there was this one guy, Peter. He spoke. He didn't want Jesus to wash him. A teacher must never do such a thing, especially for his students. You shall never wash my feet, he said. Imagine saying that to Jesus. He said it. He didn't understand his need for grace. He did not understand that Jesus must do the washing. I hope that you understand that. Jesus corrected him and told him that he, Peter, must be washed. And then Peter said, all right then, Lord, wash everything, my hands, my head, wash it all. Peter did not understand the sufficiency of grace. He didn't appreciate his own need, and he didn't understand fully the sufficiency of Christ's work to meet that need. You mustn't be hard on Peter. His heart was better than his head. He was learning. He would soon know things very clearly and preach those things with boldness. In fact, Jesus told them all that understanding would come later, didn't he? Verse 7. And it did come. And you can read the book of Acts and discover how it came. And I suspect that you are all still learning as well. You're learning how to put away your pride and self-reliance, and you are learning how to put away your doubts and fears. You are learning, along with the whole Church of Christ, to live under the cross with humility and confidence in Him. So you can pray that we would all come to learn this. Jesus' act of washing his disciples' feet functions for us in two ways. I want to give those to you. Number one, it is a statement on spiritual cleansing. That's the first thing. And then two, it is a call to lifelong service. So let's take those two things up. It is a statement on spiritual cleansing. The most important thing for you to take away tonight from this account is this. You must be washed by Jesus. And Jesus does wash you if you trust in him. 
Here are the first words spoken by our Lord after he washed his disciples' feet. It's a question. Do you understand what I have done to you? And he's asking you the exact same question. Do you understand what Jesus has done for you? You are cleansed in him. Not by the removal of dirt from the body, but by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus washed you. He died in your place. He took upon himself the fullness of God's wrath against your sins. He loved you and proved his love by suffering in your place. Listen to these amazing words that appear at the beginning of the text. Verse 1. <clears throat> now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What a statement of love. Jesus loved the world, the whole world. That's the teaching of Scripture. There is a general love that he has for all of fallen creation. But there is a special love he has for his own. Those who were in the world and who were given to him by the Father. And those objects of his love, including you, dear ones, are loved by Christ to the end. To the end. Christ's love exceeds all other loves. It extends beyond the scenes of time. It stands despite the lack of returns. And it carries the lover to the deepest kind of suffering, even death on the cross. The Apostle Paul knew that God loved him. And he knew that God loves all of those who are his people. He was persuaded, this is Romans 8, maybe you know these words, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Isn't that good? Nothing. Later on, or, or earlier than these words, we have verse 35, Romans 8 again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's a good question. Here's some possibilities. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Of course, the answer is none of these things can separate us from Jesus. How does it feel to be in union with this kind of Savior? He loved them to the end. He loves you to the end. Who would not want a Savior like Jesus? There are those who say that all religions are basically the same. They are not. We serve a God who loves, washes feet, and gives himself so that his people would be saved. Think about Jesus washing the feet of his disciples as a parable of his great work of redemption. It's not a parable, but think about what it illustrates. Jesus left his place, 
put aside his outer garment, took the tools and uniform of a slave, and in humility washed the feet of his friends. Jesus left his place at heaven, put aside his glory, took the form of a servant, and washed his friends, not with water in a basin, but with his own precious blood. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's Philippians 2. This is what Jesus taught by washing the feet of his disciples. This is what Jesus did for him, for them. And you can rejoice, friends of Jesus, this is what he did for you. And the same one who cleansed you through the shedding of his blood conquered death by rising from the dead. He gave you his spirit and he promised to be near you and to be patient with you and to provide for you. To, to shape you, to comfort you, and to keep you safe, and to bring you to heaven, a home where everything will always be clean and right. Hallelujah. The second function of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples is this. It is a call to lifelong service. Verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. You may never wash the feet of your friends. Jesus is not asking you to do that. Probably. Can't quite promise. And yet, Jesus is calling you to love others by serving them and thinking about them, discovering their needs, giving regard for their feelings, and helping them as you are able, even sacrificing your own comfort to do it. It's difficult. Actually, it's not difficult. It's impossible. It's impossible without the grace of Christ. But we have the grace of Christ. And we can, in Him, live beyond ourselves. Think for a moment about the argument that was taking place at this time between His disciples. I'm reading from Luke 22. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. So Jesus was thinking about his death, and serving his needy, undeserving friends. 
His disciples were arguing, not over who would love best, but who should be esteemed most. There are many hindrances to love and service, and most of them are inside of us. I think we can all relate to the words of St. Augustine. Let me read them to you. Let no enemy from without be feared. Conquer thine own self, and the whole world is conquered. Hmm. Pride, fear, lust, love of praise. You know all of these sins. Yet Christ is calling you to turn from them and to love deeply. Love in a way that moves you to stoop and get low and serve with a kind of love that makes you willing to suffer and maybe even to die for others. Do not be afraid of this kind of love, brothers and sisters. There is great freedom in it. Here's an interesting statement from C.S. Lewis. If you've read Mere Christianity, you you may recognize it. The rule for all of us is perfectly simple. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. Another way to put it is this. Don't wait until love hits you before you act. It may never come. And if it does come, by the way, it will likely be mixed with selfish motives. No, Jesus said it this way. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That's what he said. Do them. Get going. That's what Jesus is saying. Take the towel, get the basin, and start washing. If you don't know already, you may be surprised to discover the joys of living for others after the example of your master, Jesus Christ. And when those spiritually weary times come, and they will come, times when you just don't feel like serving, then uh, pray that your heart would conform to your conduct. Pray that doing acts of love will lead you by the grace of Christ to heartfelt affection for other people. I'm not suggesting that you burn out from this. I'm talking about something much deeper than that. Most people, by the way, at least I believe, burn out from things other than living like Jesus. Take your breaks. Listen to all of Christ's words, including the advice he gave to his disciples. Come. Come away, rest a while. He said that. We need rest. Jesus wants us to rest. And it's important that we do rest so that we can learn that we are not God and that we must rely upon God. Take a break. But don't forget that love does cost something. And it is often pride that can interfere with our willingness to invest in others and love as Jesus loved. It is pride that says, I resent being the servant. I want more reward. 
I want more recognition. I'm tired of this. Can't they even say thanks? You say thanks. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the joy of serving. I believe your words, Lord. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's true. Jesus said it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we've heard the advice of Lewis. Let's listen to his warning. Don't try so hard to identify who you are to love. Just live for others. Give yourself to others. That's what he suggests. Now here's the rest of the quotation. There is indeed one exception, he says. If you do him a good turn, not to please God and obey the law of charity, but to show him what a fine, forgiving chap you are, and to put him in your debt, and then sit down to wait for his gratitude, you will probably, said Lewis, you will probably be disappointed. And this is the tricky thing about service, really. We must serve, no, no question about that, but we must at the same time understand how serving fits into the life of a blood-justified sinner. It is so easy for us to corrupt the gifts of God, isn't it? Pride can keep you from serving, and pride can motivate you to do more things that look like serving. They may, in fact, help other people. But you do them so that you would be recognized. Let's be content, shall we? That God be recognized. Let's enter into the joy of John the Baptist's words, He must increase, but I must decrease. What creative, complex sinners we can be to take the command to love others and shape it into an excuse to serve ourselves. And when you stop and think about it, you won't believe it's true that all the love you've been giving has all been meant for you. That's not in the Bible. It's the Moody Blues, actually. It's a pretty good, pretty good statement. Here's a question. Are you greater than Jesus? It's not a trick question. It's a, it's a question implied by our Lord and even answered by him. Verse 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So it's our calling to serve in the name of the servant as he has given his life in service to us. Yeah. There are two lessons in John 13. You must be washed by the blood of Jesus, that's one. And you must follow the example of Jesus, that's the second one. And I want to appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to remember that the first lesson is the foundation and the context of the second. It's also a remedy for all failures to serve and love. Jesus wants you to love, but never without reference to his love for you. Never lose your sense of being loved by Christ and being washed by Christ. Christ died once, 
and rose from the dead. You are in union with him and you will always, always be his. Peter wanted to replay the washing. Christ wouldn't have it. There is daily cleansing. Confess your sins. Know of God's forgiveness. Absolutely. The feet get dirty. You have in your worship service a time of uh, confession, repentance, assurance of pardon from the word of Christ. It's good. This is really foot washing, isn't it? Right? It's good stuff. Receive ongoing washing from Jesus. But never regard yourself as unclean because Christ has made you clean. Love as Jesus loved and always do so with his love for you in close view. And when you are discouraged, I know you get discouraged, I do. When you're discouraged because of certain sins in your life that are still there, even your efforts to love that come short or are mixed with sinful motives, just remember, Christ died for those sins as well. At every point, the righteousness, blood, and resurrection power of Jesus are there, and they are yours, applied to you for the glory of his name. We love this is 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. And he loves us to the end. Praise his name. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for Jesus, the one who came into the world not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we ask with faith in Jesus that you would make us like him. We want to serve as he served, and we cannot do it in our own strength. Give us grace to wash feet, O Lord, and help us to do so for your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.